Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, we we love all of you at the 95th Street campus, and all of you at Bolingbrook, and all of you at Hobson, and we love everybody at Wheaton, too. We are so blessed to be a multi-site church, and so grateful to be learning how to pray. Our series is entitled Pray Like Jesus, because we're looking to Christ, saying, you're the master at this thing called prayer, so teach us how to pray. We've been looking at the teaching of Jesus as we did last week, and here's how and what you should pray about. We've been looking at the example of Jesus, how he prayed so we can follow in his footsteps. And that's what we turn to now is another example of Christ, how he prayed. Very different from what we've looked at so far. The first two weeks of this series have been all about private prayer and getting in your prayer closet, getting alone. Well, now we're going to look at public prayer when Jesus would lay hands on people and pray for them. I wonder if you've ever had anyone come up to you and lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, Some of you are like, oh, I don't think I want that. You know, that kind of weirds me out. You know, don't touch me. You know, just run a pray pray over there. You know, I'm like, yeah. I will tell you, it is an absolutely beautiful experience. In fact, One of the most treasured moments of my life was uh, when I was brought on as the pastor, senior pastor of the Compass Church. Uh, Do you know uh, next month will be three years, so time is flying, and I remember so much. Oh, thank you. On the night that I was voted in by the congregation, I came up and I stood right here, and all the elders of the church gathered around me and put their hands on my shoulder. I remember the weight of all of these hands on my shoulder, and the elders cried out to God for me. It was beautiful. Some of you are like, no, that would be awkward for me. No, I'll take a pass. Well, actually, it was awkward for me in that moment as well. And, and some of you have been around long enough that you may actually recall the uh, awkwardness of that moment. And for those of you who are unaware, allow me to bring you into a little legend uh, that's very true uh, about my first moment as the pastor of this church. So what happened was, as I was coming onto the stage and as everyone was applauding and clapping, I did what I often do, and that is a zipper check. A zipper check, it's really easy. You just use this little pinky and you slide it in there. Just say, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Well, I wasn't good. I had been in a rush to get in, and in my haste, I had failed to get the fly zippered. And I, I, I cannot believe this. Everyone's looking at me, so I can't fix it now. What am I going to do? Uh, can, can you imagine my anxiety? Well, in a moment like that, a pastor turns to the Word of God. And uh, one of the many uses of the Bible is this. And, and, and that's what I did. 
Uh, in order to preserve a measure of dignity, I stood like this. And you're like, you did not. We have video to prove that I did just that. So let's take a, take a look, shall we? Yeah, do you notice? Uh, I am definitely securely holding the Bible where it needs to be held. And as they start to pray with all eyes closed, that provides me an opportunity to solve the problem. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Can you believe that, huh? Well. Finally, I got over the humiliation of the moment, and truthfully, this moment of prayer became beautiful once I had resolved the problem. There is something about having people pray for you that is profound. And one of the great ministries that you can provide to others is to do just that. To ask this question. I wonder if you've ever asked this question. Can I pray for you? Like right now, can I pray for you? Some of you are like, oh, I've never asked that question and I don't intend to. Well, maybe you will intend to by the end of our little study because it's part of what makes prayer amazing. Jesus did it. Well, let me show you. Matthew 19, verse 13, it says this. People brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. Let's study this verse. Simple verse. It's our main verse for the, the morning here. But I, I think that though it's simple, there is so much here. And so let's talk about it. Let's highlight this first line. People were bringing their children. I just want to point out again, this is very public. Jesus did much of his life in a crowd. And this is one of those crowd moments where everybody's coming to Jesus. And if, you, if I implied, when we were looking at the private prayer verses, if I implied that no prayer is public, I, I misled you because it's true, there's a danger to public prayer. That's why Jesus, in the verse last week, he said, don't be like the Pharisees who stand on the street corners and pray out loud to impress people with how religious they are. The problem is not that they were praying in public. The problem was their heart. It was prideful. Public prayer is dangerous in that you're thinking more about how you sound to the people than you are actually thinking about talking to God. So it's dangerous but once you've learned to pray privately, it's time to go public and to take the ministry of prayer out to the crowds, to pray for people. Uh, maybe it's just with the one person. Maybe it's praying for people with others around. But pray for people publicly. I want to comment on the little children for a moment. Um, if you read the context of this verse, the disciples don't think that little children are important enough for Jesus to waste his time praying for them. <laughs> and Christ rebukes them. And Jesus says, I pray for everybody. The mightiest kings, and in the society of that first century, children were on the low end of the totem pole of social importance. And Jesus says, the little kids, let them come to me. Jesus prayed for people high and mighty and people like little kids. Next slide. Pray for them. I want to clarify that this is not pray for you. This is what we're talking today about prayer for others. A term that's used as intercessory prayer where you intercede on behalf of others. Intercessory prayer. 
One of our problems of prayer is that we are too myopic. We think about ourselves, oh God, me, 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 me. Last week we saw that the Lord breaks the self-centeredness by inviting us to pray about God. Remember, praise him through with the revere was the first time, your, hallowed be your name. And then the revival was when we pray about God's cause. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we can get selfless by praying about God and we can get selfless by intercessory prayer, praying for others. And this is an others-oriented prayer. Now let's highlight this line. For him to place his hands on them. Let me just talk for a moment about the laying on of hands. Nothing magical, only symbolic. All right, let me be real clear. You are not like a magician who says, no, no, none of that. This is simply a symbolic way of conveying compassion, sympathy, connection to the person you're praying for. One of the dangers of praying for people is that I mean, if I said, hey, I want to pray for you, and I turned my back to you, you wouldn't feel very connected, would you? If I faced you, that would be better. But if I came up close and put my hand on your shoulder as I prayed for you, that would convey a, a compassion and a connection and a focus. It would help me focus on who am I praying for. This is who I'm praying for. And it would help you feel that compassion. And if you've been in that receiving position. It can be a wonderful expression of genuine love. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's taking these kids, putting his hand on them and says, hey, little guy, it's my honor to pray for you. What did he pray? What was the content of Jesus's prayer? This verse doesn't tell us, just says that he prays. Some would say, I bet he prayed for physical healing of diseases. You would assume that based on your knowledge that many people sought prayer from Jesus so that they could be healed of what they were dealing with. They had a physical ailment or a mental ailment or some problem, and they wanted Christ to pray for it to be solved. You're right. Often Jesus prayed for others regarding their problems, and we should too. When we see someone who's got a challenge we're aware of, we should say, hey, can I pray for you regarding that? Can I pray for healing? God, to heal you in regarding that. I don't know if he will or not, but I'd love to ask him to. So those are good prayers, praying for God to fix a problem. That's not what's happening here. How do I know that? From a parallel verse. One of the things we have in the Bible is that we've got four Gospels, and sometimes different Gospels retell the same event, but use a little different language. That's the case here. We have a verse in Mark 10.16. Mark 10.16 is this same event, only it adds this detail, that Jesus prayed prayers of blessing on the children. What's a prayer of blessing? When you pray that God would bless someone, you're not praying for a specific healing or problem solution, but a more general cry for God's goodness to be seen and evident in the life of this person. It's a beautiful prayer. And so we can imagine Jesus praying for God to bless these kids. Can we get more specific about his verbiage? Probably we can, and here's why. There's an Old Testament prayer of blessing that was authored by God himself. God wrote this prayer of blessing, gave it to Moses, told Moses to give it to his brother Aaron. It's called the Aaronic blessing because Aaron was the one who was told, 
pray over the people. Aaron functioned as the high priest. And he was told to pray for the people to be blessed with these words. And it was so popular, the ironic blessing. Let me, let me show it to you. Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. As I read these words, uh, it's still popular today. Many of you will recognize them. Here's the, the prayer. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Folks, from the days of Moses until the present, this prayer, this ironic prayer, it's sometimes called the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament, has been so popular. In fact, uh, today in Jewish synagogue worship services, they always end the service with a benediction of the ironic blessing. Back in the biblical days, they were using this. Parents were blessing their children with this prayer. People were using this prayer all over the place. To, to prove how popular this blessing was in the biblical era, I'll tell you a little detail you probably don't know. And that is that the oldest copy of Scripture we have is the Aaronic blessing. It's found on a little piece of silver. You can see it in the museum in Israel. It's called the Silver Scroll. It was rolled up. It's now stretched out. And engraved on it is the Aaronic blessing from number six. How old is this piece of silver? It was made in 600 B.C. It was made in the days of the Old Testament when Josiah was king over Judah, when Jeremiah was the prophet doing the ministry. That's, this little scroll was originally rolled up, and it was in a little necklace, a little amulet, they would call it, a little uh, case, and some lady wore it around her neck. That just is evident as to how precious this prayer of blessing was to the ancient people. I'll tell you how it was discovered. It was discovered in 1980. This is a funny story. Let's go to the next slide. This is Nathan. They were doing an excavation of an ancient tomb in Jerusalem, and they were so short on money that the excavators actually hired local kids. He's a 13-year-old boy. They could pay him peanuts, you know, and they would do the hard, back-breaking work of crawling around on your hands and knees, which the old guys didn't care to do. And Nathan was one of the kids who was hired back in 1980 to work. As kids tend to do, he started getting mischievous. He was bored, and he stopped working, and he found a hammer, and he was goofing around, and he whacked the floor of this cave. And sure enough, he busted open and revealed a hidden secret chamber beneath the tomb that was storing all these belongings of the deceased. There were 1,000 artifacts found undisturbed, had been down there for 2,600 years. Sounds a bit like uh, King Tut's tomb, and in some ways it is. Not as elaborate stuff as King Tut's. It was more like uh, oil lamps and pottery bowls and glass bottles and some jewelry made of silver like the amulet and uh, some semi-precious jewels. In some ways that discovery is more important than King Tut, at least to those of us of biblical orientation, because it gives us a picture of what life was like 
in the biblical Old Testament days. Isn't that amazing? So here, a kid goofing around. Uh, sometimes uh, truth is stranger than fiction. Goofing around and reveals one of the most significant archaeological discoveries of the modern era. Well, this scroll is just an evidence that this blessing was so popular, written by God, instructed by God, pray this blessing on others. So I think it's safe to assume that when Jesus gathered, let's go back to the next slide. Uh, when Jesus gathered, he w- would have prayed this over the kids. Can we go through this real quick, just so you have a better understanding of what it means? The Lord bless you. What does it mean? You know, when we say God bless you, we don't mean anything, you say, because they sneezed. That's just what we say. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Most of the time, we don't attach much meaning, meaning to it. But if we did want to mean it, when we say, God bless you, the Lord bless you, what are we saying? What we're saying, again, is it's a simple, broad cry that the goodness of God would be manifest, displayed, evident in the life of the person we're praying for. We're conveying our love for them by saying, I, I pray that God would show his goodness in your life in countless ways. That's what it means. Would the Lord bless you and keep you? It's a term, we use the word keep, but not in this way. When it refers to someone being your keeper, it means that they're your protector or your guardian. So when it asks for the Lord to keep you, it means for the Lord to guard you, protect you, take care of you. It's like a bodyguard standing by your side saying, I'm here for you, don't worry. It's a prayer that God would be that guard, protecting, watching over, taking care of you. Beautiful picture. Next one. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. I love that phrase. At first it's a little confusing. You're like, what does it mean for a face to shine? Do you know what it means for a face to be gloomy? Yeah, that's when a face is discouraged or sad. And so a shining face is a smiling face. It's a joyful face. It's a delightful face. And when he's shining on you, that means that he's delighting in you. Ever seen a grandparent look at their grandchild with that glow about them? That's a prayer that God would just delight in the individual, that the individual would recognize that God is smiling, delighting in them. Beautiful prayer. And be gracious to you. It's all about grace. You know, lest you think you deserve the blessing, the keeping, the shining, you don't deserve it. Grace is God's unmerited favor or undeserved love on a person. And this prayer, at the very heart of it, has a reminder that we don't deserve this. We are sinners. Even the little kids Jesus was praying for, they were mischievous, troublemakers, but it's all grace. It's not based on worthiness. It's based on God's gracious heart. Next slide. May the Lord turn his face toward you. I love this. This has to do with the people realizing that God is near and attentive you know, my son will sometimes grab my chin when he's talking to me and turn my face to him. And I'm like, yeah, Jake, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's what the prayer is. God, help them see you are just looking at them, attentively, emotionally engaged and involved in their lives. And lastly, may he give you peace. Oh, 
Peace is such a beautiful gift. Peace is when we can say the anxiety, it was there, but it's been chased away. The worry was there. It's been chased away. I now have peace. It is well with my soul. And how do you get the peace? It's when you realize that God's looking at you and he's keeping you. He's your guardian by your side, delighting in you. In fact, if I could summarize what this whole prayer is, it's this. May God's loving presence completely revolutionize your life. May you be so aware that he's there attentive and smiling and loving and guarding that you just feel a peace and a blessingness, blessedness, and you just say, oh my goodness, this, the Lord changes everything. That's what it's about. Great prayer. I like praying the ironic blessing over my kids when I tuck them in at night. I don't pray it word for word, but I go along the lines. I'll, I'll say, Janae, I want to pray for you, and I'll grab her by the ankle sometimes, and I'll just say, God, would you help Janae rest well tonight? Remind her that you're in the room and that you're looking at her and that you love her and that you're smiling on her. And God will, I pray she feels well protected and sleeps gently with peace reigning in her heart. You see, I'm not quoting it directly, but I'm getting the essence of it. And so often, some aspect of the ironic blessing is a part of my prayer, you know, particularly for my kids. Let's talk about this. How can we, next slide, how can we, go the next one again, how can we do this? How can we become people who pray for others like Jesus? And I'm going to start with this praying for our children because it's the most obvious parallel to what Christ did. Do you have a bedtime routine with your kids? Do you tuck them in? Do you pray for them? Do it. Do you have a uh, routine with your Uh, grandchildren, you know, do it. Tucking them in, praying for them can be a beautiful expression of what this ministry of intercessory prayer for others. How about your spouse? Do you pray for your spouse? Folks, one of the great ways that you can be a husband, to be a wife, is to say, hey, honey, I want to pray for you right now. I, I, uh, some couple years ago, I challenged a guy in my small group. I said, do you, do you pray for your wife? He said, never done that. I said, you should think about it. Nope, not going to do that. He goes, that would be really weird. We've been married a long time. This is not our way of operating. And I said, well, maybe so, but you should really consider starting it. He was a brand new Christian and the thought just terrified him, but he pushed through his fear and he tried it one time. I asked him, how did it go? And he said, "Eh, it's pretty awkward, Jeff, pretty awkward, just to be frank. And I'm like, well, how about try it again? And he did, and he did, and each time he did it, it became less awkward. And today, it's one of the great joys of his life. In fact, in small group this week, uh, uh, I didn't ask for it. He just mentioned that my wife was uh, going through a hard time. I just came up to her, put my arm around her, and said, hey, babe, I'm going to pray for you right now. And they pray for each other, and it is a beautiful ministry that they provide. And so do it in your marriage. Is it awkward at first? Yes. But if you'll push through the awkwardness, you'll be glad you did. What else? Okay, let's, let's, how about this? How about at church? Can we pray for each other at church? 
You know, let's say you're talking with someone in the atrium at, at Bolingbrook or at 95th or at Hobson, and they mention, yeah, I'm having surgery this week or I have this challenge. Have you ever just said, hey, can I pray for you right now regarding that? Put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Folks, it's huge, huge. Sometimes we say, oh, it's good to know that. I'll pray for you as if we're going to remember later and we'll probably forget. So better to just say, let's do it right now and here. Folks, those prayers in the atrium need to define how we share life together. I had a profound one just a few weeks ago. It wasn't me praying for someone else. It was someone praying for me. Here's how it happened. I was about to come into the sanctuary to preach, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, Pastor, I've never met you before. Just wanted to tell you I love the Compass Church. I'm growing spiritually like crazy. And he said, thank you. He goes, how are you doing? And I don't get asked that as much. And I'm like, well, thank you for asking. I'm not doing well. I go, the morning is not going well. My sermon is just a mess. I feel a funk. I just, ah. And I looked at him and I said, how about you pray for me? Would you pray for me right now? And I realized I just freaked him out royally because (laughs) he took a step back and he's like, and I go, real simple, just say like, God help Jeff preach better. <laughs> and he still was just, you know, shell-shocked. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. You don't feel comfortable with it. He's like, oh, no, no, I'll do it. i just never done this sort of thing before. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. And he, he was just so nervous. And he's like, oh, God, Pastor Jeff uh, feels his sermon's going badly Help him, help him preach. It was really awkward, but meaningful. Help him preach really good. Good, really great, actually. God, help him preach great. Amen. It worked. I'm telling you, in that moment, I needed to refocus on the Lord. I needed a fresh start. I needed the sincerity of a young believer crying out to God on my behalf. And the Lord met me in that split second. And as we said amen, and I looked up, took a deep breath, it was, I was ready. And I was blessed by that prayer. Pray out in the atrium. How about this? Yeah, now we're getting dangerous. Pray at work. You ever come up to a coworker and say, you know, I'm really honored that you shared with me what you got going on. How would you feel if I prayed for you right now? You're like, oh, man, that would freak them out. Yeah, maybe a little. But if the moment was right, maybe you're out in a parking lot or somewhere where it's a little bit, uh, you, don't, you won't get fired kind of place. And uh, that can be one of the most meaningful ways to impact a coworker. Evangelistically powerful. That means helping them find Jesus. Or maybe a neighbor. You know, you're out standing by the garbage cans on the street. I had the opportunity to pray this week for a neighbor who was in the hospital for three days this week. Great place to pray. So, folks, pray. Pray. When you do, there are so many benefits. Can Can I go over the benefits just for a moment? Here's the first. There's the benefit of the blessing that you give them through answered prayer. Here, here, here. When Jesus prayed for these kids and said, Lord, Father, bless them. Here, here's maybe something that could be overmissed, overlooked. God the Father heard the prayer of the Son and answered the prayer. And that child, in some 
unway or unknown way to us, some real way, that kid was blessed because of that prayer. When we cry out to God with sincerity and faith, saying, please bless this person, God responds. He answers prayer. Here's an example of that. It's found in Exodus chapter 17. Moses and Joshua have an interesting conversation. Moses is about to lead the Israelites, I'm sorry, Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into their very first military battle. They're a bunch of ragtag escaped slaves. And they've come up against the Amalekite army. And they're going to battle for the first time ever, and they're scared to death. And Moses had to take a pass. He was too old. You know, he was over 80 at that point. I can imagine the conversation going like this. Uh, Joshua, you got to know I'm all in. You know, I would love to fight if I could, but you and I both know I can't. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, Joshua, and all the soldiers. I'm going to take my old brother Aaron and my buddy Hur, and the three of us are going to go up on this mountain. And as you fight, know we are interceding for you. And here's how it went. Moses raised his hands in prayer. Oh, God, they don't know how to fight. They're clueless. You're their only hope. And to his delight, as he looked down in the valley, the Israelites were prevailing. And Moses was like, sweet, they're winning. And then all of a sudden, the tide turned, and they started losing. Oh, God, they're losing now. I need you to help them. Oh, they're winning again. Sweet, they're winning. Oh, they're losing. Oh, Lord, you know, and I think he figured it out at some point, and I imagine he tested his theory. They're losing? They're winning. They're losing? They're winning. <laughs> you know, and what did, what did God teach Moses? What did he teach us? That when we pray for people, he really moves and answers. We're not just, you know, saying religious things. God responds to prayer. Sometimes, God withholds his blessing and his involvement until we pray. Now, not always. Sometimes God moves and blesses without prayer. But often, he waits till we ask. And so, we should pray. Because, folks, the Lord's going to, when you pray for somebody, you may not know how, but that blessing of God will be seen in their life. They will receive an answer to that prayer. Benefit number two, not only do they get the answer to prayer, they also are blessed because your ministry is revealing, your ministry in prayer is blessing, it's also revealing spiritual realities they may have been previously oblivious to. If you're praying along the lines of the ironic blessing, what are you, you're describing things they may not even have seen. Oh God. Please be near and attentive. Lord, be looking at my friend and smiling on them. Let your face shine on them. Be their keeper, their guardian right next to them. And as they're, you know, they're maybe new to this prayer thing, they're like, is that true? Is God looking at me? Is God smiling at me? Yes. And even as I pray for my kids each night, describing God hovering in their room with his protective care, they're perceiving God biblically because prayer is revealing to them things. Here's a way of looking at it. Maybe they don't go into the throne room of God for prayer at all. 
And by praying for them, you're essentially throwing your arm around them saying, hey, come with me. Let's go in the throne room. You're, you're going to like what you see. This is unbelievable. Take a look. God is smiling on you even as I pray. You reveal spiritual realities they may be oblivious to, but they see it through your prayer. Next. You're blessing them. They get the benefit of you modeling prayer. One of the things that happens is that prayer is sometimes uh, confusing to a newer Christian, and they don't know how to talk to God. But by listening to you talk to God on their behalf, you're modeling how you can just talk to God normal-like. In fact, maybe I should throw this out as a warning. Are you modeling prayer well? Some people turn into weird Christians when they pray. They've got like a prayer voice, you know, and you're like, who are you? And what are you, why did you just shift the way you talk, you know? And it freaks people out. Be, a, be self-aware. Am I a strange prayer, God? And maybe the Lord would guide you to pursue just, in fact, it says of Moses that when he prayed, he would talk to the Lord face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And so when we model, we can say, hey, look at God, you don't have to get all Shakespearean in your accent. You can just talk to him. As you would your earthly father, you can speak to your heavenly father. And they're like, wow, I didn't know. You can talk to God like that. Last benefit is you're loving them. Folks, one of the greatest ways to love someone is to grab hold of them and say, I want to go to God for you. I want to intercede for you. And those folks, you may make their day. That loving experience of you gently placing your hand on their shoulder and praying for them. I remember my wedding. One of the unexpected highlights of my wedding is Jen and I asked my father if he would say a prayer in our wedding ceremony. And my dad goes, yeah. And I'll never forget, he came up on the stage and he put a hand on my shoulder and a hand on my wife's shoulder. And he said, dear God, I thank you for these kids. And I pray, Lord, that you... My dad loved... I don't know that I've ever felt so loved by my father as I did in that moment as he prayed for me. Folks, you want to love people. You want to show people love of another kind? Have the guts, the compassion to pray for them. Well, there we go. You know, let me close by telling you what happened this week in the Griffin household. In the middle of the night, an unnamed daughter, or a daughter not to be named publicly, came bursting into our bedroom at about 2 a.m. She was like, oh, I just had the worst dream. Oh, it's freaking me out, you know. And I'm like, holy cow. And she walked over to Jen's side of the bed. And she said, Mom, would you tuck me in? And would you say a prayer for me? Uh, Jen groaned and then caught out of bed and said, I'd be happy to, honey. And I want to let you into my brain in that moment, and it's not pretty. Uh, The first thing I thought was, thank God she didn't come to me. (laughs) And I snuggled under the covers, you know. And and then the next thought I had was, why why didn't she come to me? (laughs) And I thought to myself, wow, that's telling. 
She chose that side of the bed for a reason. She knows that my wife is a prayer warrior of superior quality than I am. And so the moment was a humbling reminder that I have some room to grow in this ministry. But then the next thought was, praise God that my daughter thinks instinctively what I need is for my mom to pray for me. What will make the difference in this moment of anxiety and fear is my mom ministering to me through prayer. And Jen went into her room, tucked her in, sat on the end of her bed, put a hand on her leg, and cried out along the ironic blessing, God, I pray that your presence would watch over my daughter and that you would smile on her and protect her and give her peace as she sleeps. And she slept like a baby. And I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's a picture of our family, or at least one parent in our family, getting it right. And I thank you, Lord. I want to increasingly get it right in our family by praying for each other. I increasingly long for your family to get it right. I increasingly long for our church family to get this right and for us to be a people who pray for each other, who ask the bold questions. Would you pray for me? Can I pray for you? And folks, may we be enriched, blessed by prayer for one another. Let's pray right now. Lord, it's unreal that we can talk to you, that we can recognize, though invisible, you are in this place. And Lord, we want to get bold, not obnoxious, but bold in praying like Jesus did. Oh, Lord, we want to do what Jesus did. We, we imagine him praying for those young people, and we want to do the same. Would you help each of us be spirit-led, courageous, and compassionate, and help us to change people's lives by learning and committing to pray for them? God, I pray that this message would yield not only change in uh, this moment, but that there'd be ripple effects through the days ahead and that we would increasingly be a church that prays for one another. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.